It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. This is Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford, Jr. I'm sitting with Dallas elder law attorney Michael E. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Why do you say that? I mean, you do these initials that are different uh-huh. each at the beginning of each show, uh-huh. uh, and you have me guessing as to what that initial may stand for since right. my real middle initial is B. Okay. But so what is the E that you are saying uh, in this case? I could be here all day, but I'll say two E's out of three words, and that would be estate planning expert. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, all right. that's a I'm nice glad, one. I'm glad I have a double E. All the middle initials are positive and, and promoting you. I, I promise you that for sure. Um, welcome. It's September. Uh, people are back on va- from vacation. You even went on a crazy vacation on the Disney cruise and it took you 8,000 hours to get there and back. <laughs> I heard this story. You're still crying. You even yeah. have Mickey Mouse on your, on your shirt here today. Well, they were Mickey Mousing around on the I airlines. Yes, they think. were. Thank goodness you were smart. And you got travel insurance, and it's it's ironic because I hadn't planned on this, but you are an individual that probably is really all about insurance in so many ways because you provide insurance for a living. Estate yeah, planning yeah. is insurance. Yeah, it's just like powers of attorney or cheap disability insurance. Yeah, a lot of the different trust and whatever that's really planning a protection or insurance for to protect your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so, in the case when there is an unforeseen disaster, especially that's right, right, right. right. It, I always, in fact, I talked to a lot of people who were like financial planners or people who are in insurance. I said, I think that we are in the same type of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I provide insurance, and you provide insurance. Mm-hmm. You provide maybe uh, it could be long term care insurance, it could be life insurance, it could be disability insurance. Well, so do I. If they don't have long-term care, oh, we can plan for public benefits uh, by having different types of uh, planning options, whether it be trust or it could be different uh, things that are permitted under law. It could be uh, uh, if you're disabled, it could be a trust if you're disabled that could take care of your assets or a power of attorney to deal with things if you lack capacity. And so uh, who insurance in case you can't make medical decisions for yourself, mm-hmm. insurance to protect your loved ones from uh, a, a bad marriage uh, or if your spouse got remarried, insurance if, you're, uh, if you get sued, insurance if your loved ones get sued, insurance in case somebody's disabled uh, and after you die and you wanted to protect them for public benefits purposes. Mm-hmm. Insurance, you know, the list goes on. It's all insurance is correct. And so, uh, Don, I was telling Don before the show about uh, our recent vacation in August and uh, had some things go awry. And so, but we did have travel insurance, so we were protected. And so, just like that, uh, a lot of times people would like to protect their family, their loved ones. And so, that's what estate planning is all about. It sure is. That's a good way to put it. Now, today we have a human interest story, and we want to talk about, and you want to tell that story, an Italian princess. 
Tell the audience about this. This is fascinating. Well, well, this is kind of – a few weeks ago, we kind of talked about a similar story uh, about, uh, you know, um, uh, a story in which somebody had created an irrevocable trust – the problem was the there was an illegitimate child, and the irrevocable trust uh, provided for all children. And the grandfather, uh, Steve Bing, as you may recall, had um, uh, had had created a trust that said for all grandchildren. Then he wanted to change his mind, but he had an irrevocable trust. So because of a DNA um, sample that they got from a tr- dental floss from a trash can, they were determining how this person was able to collect uh, millions of dollars. Well, this is kind of a similar type story. Um, In this case, there was a wealthy Englishman. uh, I'm going to just call him Sir Arthur just because if I get all these different names, um, it'll be too many names. Sir Arthur was a wealthy guy. Uh, He had married a Chicago banking heiress. They had one child together, um, uh, a, a who himself became a sir uh, by an, in England. Uh, he was a famous poet. We'll call him Sir Harold. Sir Harold um, was the only child and inherited this one billion dollar estate from his father, who had died. After he died, however, um, the mistress, the daughter of a mistress of Sir Sir Arthur, uh, said that she was, in fact, a child of his as well. His will said to my children. Okay. All right. Now, Sir Harold, um, the son... The one we thought the only son who happened to be single, he happened to be gay, uh, left everything to at least his artworks and stuff at this uh, Italian villa worth 500, uh, excuse me, a billion dollars to New York University, who used this villa worth all the artworks, etc., for a study abroad program. They had it as a museum. It was like their, it's their crown jewel because it's such a a magnanimous place, one of the most generous gifts to an American university, Mm -hmm. a billion-dollar asset. Amazing. Well, um, after he died, or then Sir Sir Harold died as well as Sir Arthur, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the the daughter of the mistress uh, and Sir Arthur, said she was a child, so in other words, that she should be entitled to $500 million of that $1 billion. Okay. This started in the 1990s, this suit. Remember we talked about uh, last week's show, I think we talked about uh, Jeffrey Epstein, and we said it could last a decade or so. Mm-hmm. Well, this suit has been going on for 25 years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So here, uh, now there's been a difference now. Uh, from what happened um, years ago, and that is there's been advancements in research on DNA. So the daughter sued in the 1990s. She died somewhere um, somewhere between 2000 and 2010. 
and her the granddaughter has now who married an Italian prince has now continued the claim. Sure. With DNA test, they have determined that yes, indeed, her mother was the child, the illegitimate child of the mistress was her Arthur. As a result, she feels like that she's vindicated and she get the five hundred million. However, there is one more catch, so the story is not over. Uh oh. And that is who bought that who bought that um uh that villa to begin with? It was the money of or of the Chicago banking heiress. Oh. The the mother who it was so is so now we have to deal with Italian law. We have to. We got the DNA. The DNA said that yes, she is the child, but the, we do not know yet if New York University will appeal because the Chicago banking so, heiress is not Sir Howard's mother. Sir Harold's, yes, sir, 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 Har- yes, Harold's mother. Yes, yeah, so it's the sure. Yes, sir, yes. Whoops. Right. All right. So now we have another example of where DNA advances are coming more common. Uh, we see that. So, if your will says all to uh, my children born to or adopted by you know me or whoever, mm-hmm. then that means illegitimate children as well, unless you say something. So, we had a case recently where the mm-hmm. um, person uh, mom has a will that says to her two children. One of the, her two sons uh, has, when, since we did the will several years ago, uh, a woman has come out of the woodworks and said, um, guess what? This is your child. And, and so they had a DNA test because he didn't believe it was. But the DNA showed it was, in fact, his child. So what do we do? Now, unlike the billion-dollar state, and this was certainly I didn't represent somebody who had a billion dollars, uh, what do we do? Oh, well, it's okay. We just changed the will. We say only children born of, of born to or adopted mm-hmm. uh, that or are the are legitimate. Mm-hmm. They're legitimate. Okay. So you just have language, and we and since the the uh, grandmother of that child does has no relationship, doesn't know the child. Now it could be some people say, well, that's fine. You know, it it, it all depends on the. Uh, do you know the child? Do you want that child to be a beneficiary? In this case, the grandmother said, I do not have a relationship with that child. Now, it could be that she might develop a relationship in the future, and if so, then we'll change the will back. Mm-hmm. See, with the will, you know, of course, you could always do a codicil or, or redo a will. What's and the so word codicil? What's codicil that? is like an amendment. Okay. Now, one thing I should tell you about uh, amendments or codicils, because a lot of we see this mistake a lot of times. Spell that word for the audience, please. Uh, C-O-D. I C I L C O D I C I L codicil okay. codicil uh-huh. right. that's uh, like an amendment to a will. Okay. Now a lot of people make the mistake and they just kind of scratch out in their will and say I want to say X or Y and thinking that'll do. The courts will disregard that mm. because you have to go through the formalities when you sign a will. Remember we talked about the mistakes that um, people make when they uh, sign a will. We had a show on that sometime this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the mistakes is you you know you have to go through the will signing ceremony in Texas, 
you have to have two disinterested will. Well, generally, uh, there's all sorts of different exceptions to every rule, but generally you have to have uh, two disinterested witnesses and sign before a notary in their presence, in the presence of each other. The person signing the will generally has to be over 18, mm. unless there are some military things or if they've been emancipated or something. Okay. But generally, you have to be over 18. The witnesses each have to be over the age of 14. Uh, and if you don't, and you go through a ceremony, you swear them in. Uh, we usually handle it in our office, and we go through the same ceremony each time. And by the way, a lot of times we have, if somebody, we had somebody in uh, that was the grandchildren in there, I said, well, if you think that there's going to be anyone to argue undue influence, please go outside the room. We don't want it to be uh, argued that there's an undue influence claim. We want to reduce that risk. So anyway, you have those things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, but it has to be clean documents. Yeah, I mean, said, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a new document. Respe- respect to the system, I think. Yeah, it would really? it would be a new document. Uh huh. And it might say where I said X. I signed this will on the X date, mm-hmm. and now this paragraph is going to be amended to say this. Right. I want so and so to be the executor instead. Originally, mm-hmm. whomever mm-hmm. I want so and so to be a beneficiary instead, or this percentage, or this whatever it may be, and you'll say that this is a this codicil was. You have the same self-proving affidavit. That's what's called. So you don't have to bring witnesses to court. By the way, uh, you probably shouldn't do a whole bunch of codicils mm-hmm. because then there's something that's going to be lost. We usually don't like to have more than one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so uh, because it's more likely that you'll lose something. And of course, if something is lost, the presumption is that the will has been destroyed. Mm. Now, it's not to say that you can't uh, probate a copy, but it's more difficult. You have to go through extra procedures okay. to prove that it's good. So you could have a codicil, but you have to go through the procedures of a will signing, uh, like you did for a will signing. So people, please do not just scratch out on your wills. That mm-hmm. doesn't do any goods. The courts will disregard it. Um, by the way, s- switching gears again, mm-hmm. sorry if to kind of go off, uh, there's been something that was filed uh, showing trends in the future of a federal thing, a federal proposed act where you could do things electronically. Uh, so this is a uh, maybe we're maybe years away from this occurring. Uh, of course, it's not good in Texas now, but if you you could might be able in the near future, perhaps uh, may, I'm sure it's several years away from us here in Texas. But there's a uniform act where you could have things done with electronic signature. And it, it, so you have might have a witness that's even remote, that, but you could go through and they have to sign at the same time. Uh, you know, certain states have witness requirements. Some states have, we have two re- witnesses that you have to have. We have to specifically state that they're over 14. Other states just say you have to have maybe just two witnesses. Some states have three witnesses. Some states just have a notary. So it's different from state to state, which is one of the reasons why we said that if you have uh, a will, when we talked about uh, Jeffrey Epstein's case last week, that the will, you know, he had property in different states. So, you know, some states will recognize a will in another states, and some might not. Uh, Some might say full faith and credit, uh, under the Constitution, and we'll recognize, and others says, well, we have these certain procedures, and so that's why we said that it's better to have a trust. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, now uh, there's proposed there's a proposal as we a, as things have changed with uh, times. Mm-hmm. That's why everything, you know, even when we file a will after a probate to say that the will's good, 
I say to say that the will is good. A lot of people have the misunderstanding that they think, oh, I have a will and it says so-and-so. I don't have to go to court to say it's good. No, you have to. If you want the property to be transferred to you, mm-hmm. the court has to say it's good. They have to validate the will. Which is probate. Which is said. probate. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. which is probate. All right. So um, here um, uh, right now in Texas, we file the will originally electronically. Nowadays, we don't. Now you have to send the original by mail generally after that, uh, but uh, we are have already gone towards the process of doing things electronically. It looks like that trend will only continue. It's interesting that you mentioned this because um, you have to be very specific these days, and I know this is going to just um, turn you on to new topics, and that's the whole point of the program. But my understanding is that you can't just say I want everything to go to my children um, you have to be even more specific and definitive about it, is my understanding Michael where let's just say you adopted some children or you could you said but my animals are my children my dog and cat you've got to say that for example adopted ones in the trust or the will it's probably the trust I want it to be very clear too that my adopted children are not to inherit anything. Don't well, you, yeah, that well, the point? We, uh, you could say whatever you want. That's okay. a good. I mean, that's the benefits. Um, now, if you're going to do something like that, you know, if you have it in a will, mm-hmm. uh, that even though you have a no contest provision, doesn't mean somebody won't sue. Right. Uh, one of the advantages of having a trust is to uh, not. Uh, is to make that more difficult uh, to uh, sue. Right. Uh, but yes, you know, so you, a lot of times you'll define who are children. Is it born to? Mm-hmm. Is it only issue, only by blood? So your language becomes very important. Mm-hmm. If you say issue, that means only those children who are blood relatives. Okay. If, Good. And, or if you, but you could define children as blood or adopted. Mm-hmm. Most well, people want to say born to or adopted by, but we've had times where people just say, I only want my blood relatives. Okay. So if you said children, well, I'm part of the children even though I'm grandchildren. How does that work? Well, you could, okay. So generally, well, it just depends on, again, your definition. Mm-hmm. Um, we say, usually a lot of times you'll say, oh, to my children, either per stirpes or per capita, which means that they take – they, well, it make, it's different, so let me tell you the difference between per stirpes and per capita probably. Mm-hmm. In other words, they say to my children equally basically. Um, but if they, should prob- if they should die first, where does it go? Well, you say where it happens. So if you just don't leave it at where it goes to my children because mm-hmm. one of the children could predecease you. There you go. My wife's grandmother, I always talk about Grandma Gussie a lot of times, so mm-hmm. the one I told you who died prematurely at 107 and a half, uh, had two of her three children predecease her mm-hmm. and one of her grandchildren predeceased her. Okay. So in my mind, I have to talk about all these uh, bad things. We have to presume what happens not only if a child predeceases you, but maybe we even have discussions even if a grandchild predeceases you because people are living longer. Sure. Um, so, so if what happens? So you say, okay, well, it goes to my children, and or it could say if they don't have children, it goes to my other children. It's whatever you want. You get to say whatever it is. That's the beauty, uh, and it may not be consistent with the state law. If you don't say anything, it goes by the state law. Okay. 
In other words, if you don't have a will, that would really be a mess generally. That's the worst thing. Even if you just had a house or whatever, that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make is putting their head in the sand because they feel like that they don't want to talk about death, so they make a real mess for their family. The best way of you know planning is tell your family that you love them. It's like a love letter saying, I love you, so I'm going to make things easier for you. Mm-hmm. Well, in any event, um, you could say whatever you want. Most typically, they'll say uh, per stirpes, which means they basically take the share of their parent. Okay? So let's say you had uh, one child. Yeah, let's say you had two children. Mm-hmm. One child had um, one ch- uh, child, and the, in other words, a grandchild from that one person, one kid. Let's say it was a son. And let's say the daughter had three children. And let's say both the son and the daughter had, had predeceased you. If I had said per stirpes, the one child of the son would have gotten one half, mm-hmm. and the three children of the daughter would each get one third of one half. Okay. If I had said per capita, per head, they each would have gotten one quarter. I see. Yeah. Okay. So usually that's the way people like it going down the line of descent, so you're not penalizing somebody for having more or less children. Let me ask you about the no contest provision. How does that work typically? When does someone fight it, even though there's a no contest provision? Because I would think in those situations, it's when someone inherited something, but they want more. Yeah. So so then it gets to the question, just because you put any kind of provision doesn't mean that somebody can't sue. Sure. And so some what some attorneys do is say, we're going to give enough that they run the risk that they lose something that they won't sue because of that. Right. Okay. okay. So if I just said ten dollars, well, is that going to prevent somebody from from suing? Well, not what they have to lose. Ten dollars. Exactly. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so if I said, on the other hand, if I said, oh, I'm going to give you twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, will that stop you from suing? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Okay. Depends on the size of the estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people put a certain dollar amount to try to dissuade somebody. But, you know, even uh, I, I may have told you about the case that kind of sticks in my craw, uh, and that is a, a case where um, a, a, there was a will that said everything to my spouse and then equally to the four children. And we have never – this is the only case that I can recall – that we had somebody give a problem with a will that we've done, and I've been practicing for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they contest, one of the children thought that was not fair, that they got things equal. And I told uh, the litigating attorney, I said, let's use the no contest provision to cut them out. Those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. Mm-hmm. And they did drop the case. Oh, that's good. So yeah. you won that way. You yeah, we won, but uh-huh. we had, but that took a bunch of litigation. So in mm-hmm. other words, anybody could sue mm-hmm. for any reason, right. and even if there has a no contest provision, doesn't mean they can't sue. Right. But we have in every will and in every trust that we have, we have a no contest provision. Excellent, and that's the moral. Of, uh, one of the morals of this program. Do you have a no contest provision in your estate plan? You should, in Michael's opinion regardless of how big or small, wealthy or not, you are. And if you do or you don't, you still should attend his next workshop to ascertain other things about your circumstances. And that workshop is Thursday, September the 5th at 1 o'clock. 
And that workshop is September the 28th, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock. And Michael, tell them in the next two minutes what goes on at those good workshops. Well, we ask people what they want to know. What mm-hmm. do you want to know? Is mm-hmm. it? It could be anything about anything. It could be about well, as far as estate planning. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, if you and ask, government assistance or government assistance, mm-hmm. it could be about you know people ask a lot of times people ask questions about Medicaid or mm-hmm. VA benefits and planning because Medicaid helps take care of long term care in particular. There's lots of Medicaid programs, forty or fifty Medicaid programs, each with their own rules. Right. But most commonly, people want to know because long term care is so expensive. Mm-hmm. and people are living longer, how do you help preserve those resources, either for your spouse or your family or for right. your, your own benefit, mm-hmm. uh, so that government will be of assistance? Or it could be VA benefits, or it could be about state Security, planning. or right. it could, Yeah, it could be any okay. any number of things. And we don't know. Every workshop is different because we ask people what they want to know, mm-hmm. and then we write those questions on a board, and then we answer those questions in the next uh, two hours. And we've been doing this for – uh, almost seven years now, mm-hmm. and every time, every workshop is different. There's not the same questions asked right. in any of them. Some of them, some of the questions are generally uh, we know that they're going to ask because uh, right. those are pretty common. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, everybody, everyone's different because there's different questions. Uh, to, anyway, to go to that next um, free estate planning essentials workshop uh, on September 5th, on September 28th, all you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. This, these do tend to fill up, so I do recommend that you call that 214-720-0102 number as soon as possible. Also, don't forget to go to the, if you would join us, uh, some people might want to join us for the Alzheimer's Walk on October 5th, which is a Saturday also. Please, four or five KWM staff members will be at the walk. Michael will be walking all to find a cure for that insidious disease. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. When we declare doing it your way as Christians, such is actually and should always be God's way. It's imperative that our planning includes implementing indisputable biblical principles, such as leaving a financial gift for your church from your estate. Not doing so would certainly be considered poor stewardship, which no believer wants to be held accountable for. So call Michael Cohen's office to sign up for the next Essential Estate Planning Workshop to ensure your estate is in complete Christian accordance today. Dial 214-720-0102. 214-720-0102. And be certain to listen to Michael Cohen right here on 770-KAAM.